Hey there, I'm Kyle Trigstad, politics editor for Bloomberg Government. And I'm Greg Giroux, senior elections reporter for Bloomberg Government. Check out our podcast, Down Ballot Counts. Each week, Greg and I will be breaking down all of those down ballot elections that make up the fight for the U.S. Congress. Listen and subscribe to Down Ballot Counts from Bloomberg Government wherever you get your podcasts. From Washington, this is Talking Tax. I'm Jeff Leon. It's early October, so you know what that means. The Supreme Court is back in action in hearing cases for its fall term. The court is down one justice after the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg last month, but it's still got a full docket of cases, and at least two of those could have big impacts on the tax world. To break down these two cases, we turn to Kristen Hickman, a law professor at the University of Minnesota who specializes in tax and administrative law. And one of the most significant cases of this term, a case known as CIC Services, touches on both of our specialty areas. The case, which is scheduled for oral argument beginning on December 1st, centers on a law that goes all the way back to the 1860s. The law prevents judges from issuing injunctions against the IRS that would prevent it from collecting taxes. But the scope of the law has ballooned in the intervening century and a half. The plaintiffs in the case say the law, known as the Anti-Injunction Act, improperly shields the IRS from judicial review of its actions that have nothing to do with collecting taxes. Hickman says the stakes here are sky high for the IRS. Even though this particular case involves a single IRS notice, the broader implications of this case stretch across the entirety of tax administration. Every other agency in the federal government, when it puts out a rule or a regulation, knows that it's going to be subject potentially to pre-enforcement judicial review of that rule or regulation under the Administrative Procedure Act. Tax historically has not experienced pre-enforcement judicial review of its rules and regulations in this way. Not because the Supreme Court has ever declared such pre-enforcement review to be precluded by the Anti-Injunction Act. It hasn't. The Supreme Court has never considered this question before, but rather because taxpayers have largely assumed that the Anti-Injunction Act might preclude pre-enforcement judicial review. In the last several years, we've seen a decline of what I would term tax exceptionalism. This is simply the latest battle in that particular trend. And if the Supreme Court decides that the Anti-Injunction Act does not preclude CIC services claims against the IRS from being heard in this case, in all likelihood, the reasoning that the Supreme Court would employ would apply to virtually any tax rule or regulation. We have a lot of rules and regulations that the IRS issues every year. The IRS historically has not been especially careful about complying with the Administrative Procedure Act and its various requirements. So if the Supreme Court decides in CIC's favor, that would likely open the door potentially for other pre-enforcement challenges. So basically it could be a potential chipping away of like maybe some IRS regulations and enforcement rules. Absolutely. 
Well, I think more importantly, a lot of people don't appreciate just how many tax rules and regulations these days have very little to do with the IRS's traditional revenue raising function and instead pertain to various social welfare and regulatory programs that Congress has embedded in the Internal Revenue Code. The IRS is the nation's largest anti-poverty agency these days, for example, because of the earned income tax credit and the child tax credit. The IRS is heavily involved in regulating the nonprofit sector. The IRS is heavily involved in healthcare and pension regulation, as well as a wide variety of different sorts of economic incentives designed to promote various congressional goals um, and so on. A large plurality of IRS rules and regulations these days pertain to those sorts of social welfare and regulatory programs rather than traditional revenue raising. These sorts of programs, if they had been charged to any agency other than the Internal Revenue Service, would be subject to pre-enforcement judicial review. So I want to shift gears and focus on a bit more of a local case. Um, well, local for Illinois. This one is AF Moore and Associates versus Papas, um, dealing with the State Anti-Injunction Act. What can you share about this case? What's going on here? Well, let me start by saying I don't know that this case would particularly shed any light on IRS regulations. This is a case in which a business is suing the state of Illinois, claiming that the state's method of calculating real property tax assessments violates the Equal Protection and Due Process Clauses of the 14th Amendment. Um, the taxpayer paid the assessed tax and sought a refund and apparently also exhausted state-level procedures before bringing suit in federal court. But the taxpayers' efforts to pursue that action were hampered by a state statute that prevents them from challenging the assessor's methodology or intent. Um, the district court dismissed the case, concluding that it was barred by the Tax Injunction Act, which is a different statute the Tax Injunction Act was adopted by Congress to prevent federal judicial interference in the operation of state tax laws. It operates to drive taxpayers to pursue state-level remedies instead of federal ones. Judge Amy Coney Barrett, writing for the Seventh Circuit's panel hearing the case, held that the Tax Injunction Act does not apply in the Moore case. The state conceded that state law does not allow taxpayers to challenge or courts to consider the assessor's methodology and intent with respect to real property tax assessments at all. Consequently, according to Judge Barrett, by its own plain text, the Tax Injunction Act does not apply to limit the taxpayer's suit. The state's petition for certiorari and more is somewhat circular in its reasoning, admitting that state law bars state consideration of claims against the assessor's methodology or intent, but also contending that limiting the kinds of claims that can be brought in challenging real property tax assessments does not deny anyone a remedy. Probably more importantly, the state's cert petition asserts that the Seventh Circuit's decision conflicts 
with decisions of the Second and Third Circuits. I think it's pretty arguable that the decisions of the other circuits that the state cites are distinguishable from the case at bar. Two other points that I think are worthy of note. First, it is my sense that there has been a trend at the Supreme Court in the last several years of construing judicial justiciability limitations like the Tax Injunction Act more narrowly and thus allowing more lawsuits to go forward. For some decades, the Supreme Court had been interpreting justiciability limitations that would prevent the court from hearing various types of claims more broadly to cut off more types of claims. I think the trend now is in the opposite direction. The pendulum is swinging back, as it were, so that the court has been allowing more suits to go forward in recent years. On the other hand, the Supreme Court has never been especially interested in applying the Equal Protection Clause very robustly in the tax context. The court might not be all that interested in considering a justiciability limitation in conjunction with such a suit. I'm wondering if you have any thoughts about like where the tax landscape could be um, post the SCOTUS term. <laughs> That's a tricky question. Um, I don't know that this SCOTUS term in general is going to be any different for tax than any other SCOTUS term. The CIC services case does have tremendous potential for reshaping tax litigation going forward and in that way influencing the Internal Revenue Service to be a little bit more careful in the future about its compliance with general administrative law, norms, doctrines, and requirements. But we don't know how the CIC services case is going to come out yet. Justice Kavanaugh, when he was a judge at the DC Circuit, decided that the Anti-Injunction Act does not allow pre-enforcement judicial review on the other hand, fundamentally, CIC services and the claim that it's bringing are about good governance. And Justices Kagan and Breyer in particular are very sensitive to general administrative law norms, doctrines, and requirements, and may be very receptive to pulling tax administration back into general compliance and consistency with administrative law doctrine. On the other hand, even if the Supreme Court decides the CIC services case broadly to allow pre-enforcement review, there are other justiciability limitations that may apply to cut off widespread judicial review in such cases. Doctrines like standing and ripeness and finality that apply to all agencies would apply in the tax context as well. So CIC services, while it might change the landscape of judicial review of tax litigation, may not open the floodgates quite so much as the government intends that it would. That was Kristen Hickman. 
a law professor at the University of Minnesota. You can find up-to-the-minute news on the latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. And if you have any thoughts about what you just heard, or really anything else, get in touch with us on Twitter. We use the handle at tax. Talking Tax is produced by myself, Jeff Leon, and David Schultz. Kathy Larson is our editor. From Washington, I'm Jeff Leon. Thanks for listening. When it comes to the environment, there are, let's say, a lot of moving parts. Climate change, air pollution, water pollution, chemical contamination, endangered species, renewable energy, superfund, asbestos, recycling, lead, mold, radon, stormwater... That's where Parts Per Billion comes in. Join me, David Schultz, on the Parts Per Billion podcast every Wednesday to sort out everything that's going on in the environment, from the courts to Congress to your backyard. Download and subscribe to Parts Per Billion wherever you get your podcasts, and thanks for listening.